while police photographing our license plate. What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Hello and welcome to the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. Because most of us do our best to save each other while wearing a mask and keeping socially distant, most of us would agree that the last thing our family, friends, and professions and income need is for governors to be ignoring CDC recommendations, just as the number of cases and deaths were at least leveling off, if not declining. As many of you know, my very dear Broadway film television friend, Avery Summers, joins us with opinions once a month, and we've been missing her lately, but she is back with us today. Welcome back, Avery. <laughs> That's what it comes to. I've missed you. How are you? I am well, and I am very, very happy to be back. Thank you. I miss you, too. I know, and I, I do want to remind everyone, because we often have new listeners, that you have many, many impressive credits. The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, Matron Mama, Morton in Chicago, Platinum Original Broadway Production 1978, and Ain't Misbehaving, and of course, working on television with the late Burt Reynolds. If you are a regular listener, you probably won't be surprised that even during the global pandemic, Avery Summers is, was still able to teach because her studio was so big, but it allows for social distancing. And we tried to talk with her at least once a month, and we're going to try and pick that up again. Although we both share successes in theater and film and television, we are also American citizens who love both nation and all of its people. So in keeping with our attention to political and cultural current events, what are your thoughts on the sentencing of Derek Chauvin after being found guilty of the murder of George Floyd? Well, I do have a couple of thoughts that I'd like to share. I, I'm not particularly happy with the amount of time that Chauvin received. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit upset about that because I just don't think it's just and I don't think it's fair. And from what I understand, the judge gave Chauvin the, the number of years in some sort of guideline, which mm -hmm. is really only about 12 and a half years. And then he added 10 years to that, which means that Chauvin will only serve approximately 15 years behind bars and then he will do community service. Hmm. I'm not happy about that at all. Well, what I don't wish to put you on the spot because I always love your opinions and you, you know, you're more than welcome to express them, but what do you think would have been a fair or more just verdict? Well, I think that he should have at least had 30 years with no possibility of parole. This is a death sentence. This mm -hmm. man killed someone in front of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And then a video that was shown worldwide. And the viciousness of it is 
just makes my heart hurt and my blood boil at the same time mm-hmm. that he got 22 and a half years and will be commuted. It will be commuted. I am sure it will be commuted to time. I think it will be commuted to time served at some point. And that just is not, it's not fair. Mm-hmm. You know, I wondered quite a bit recently, not just about this case, but other murder cases. It seems to me that the sentencing, I know they say they follow guidelines or whatever, but there have been a number of crimes, not only against African Americans, but those certainly stand out. You know, murder and rape, and they just don't seem, I I can't put my hand on a specific case, but I can remember more than once going, that's all they get for doing that? You know, Mm -hmm. maybe the most extreme was the uh, affluenza defense and the kid who raped the young lady and and they said he was too rich to something to know. I know I'm messing it up, but still, uh, to know better or whatever. Do you recall that? Yes, I do. I do. I certainly do. And it it just depends on, unfortunately, in our country or maybe not just in our country, but it depends on who has the kind of money to be able to buy their way out or into a situation mm. that it to be best for the people involved. And, and so who can trust this system? Who trusts the system? Mm-hmm. Now, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's what, that's what we look at. And when something like this happens, and of course, with that situation that you mentioned before about the young man, we didn't see that. We heard about it, but we saw this. Yes. We saw this, Marcello. Yes. The rest of the world. And we saw it. And, and to just, for me, it's that proverbial slap on the wrist because something had to be done. So, there. You know, I, I said that to a few friends. You know, the, the thing he... He didn't realize the world was going to change with the video. That was the mm-hmm. thing. And he really did think he was going to get off. He really did. And mm-hmm. um, anyway, all right. Well, let's move on to perhaps closer uh, geographically anyway to home for you. What, what's your personal or individual sense of how Southern Florida community is feeling about what's going on with the governor DeSantis? I mean, especially since... The U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland has announced the Justice Department is suing Governor Brian Kemp's Georgia for the new voting legislation that he signed into law that clearly discriminates against people of color and their mm-hmm. ability to vote, even to the point where people standing in line, long lines in the heat to vote, and they say it's against the law to give them water or food. What do you think? I am... I'm so torn right now about so many things, and of course that's certainly one of them because we're they're just dialing back the clock, mm. uh, dialing back time, and making things so very difficult for, um, especially older Americans, older African Americans, and those of color, to be able to voice the kinds of opinions and and vote uh, for the kind of life that we would like to have here. And we don't get very much of an opportunity to speak our minds other than by voting. And I don't, I am not in a circle of people who are very advent political animals, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, So 
I don't speak on a regular basis with uh, with those people, but the the few that I have are are in love with DeSantis. I'll put it that way. So that anything that he does is there is nothing wrong with it. You know, I I'm glad to hear you say that because only because I think people should hear because the big question for most of us liberals up north is what are they thinking i mean everything from the, the voting legislation and and uh, not getting vaccinated and you know yeah. the the cruise lines can't test people for co- coronavirus it's just you know we look and we go it doesn't make sense it it's hurting the very people who elected them and yet the people who elected them seem to be perfectly happy they just seem to be very happy you're right i don't know it it as i said i don't hang out with very many people other than the the theater people that i i work with and i'm associated with and uh, quite honestly they're right they're to the right and so they they just love him they think he's doing an amazing job and so i have my opinions and they're strong but i keep them myself. I understand. Understood. Okay, well, I do want to say this, though. I want to go on record saying this, that I have friends who, when we hear things about what's going to happen with this Delta variant, this new variant Mm -hmm. that's becoming a very serious thing. Now, for, for those, I mean, everyone I know has had their vaccinations. My wife and I certainly have. We still wear our masks when we're indoors anywhere. But, and I just think that's being smart. I'm not saying everybody has to do that, but I think it's a smart thing to do. But when there are announcements, even even in the news, that most people who are not vaccinated live in the Deep South, and in, uh-huh. or, or to be, to quote the news media, in red states. Um, uh-huh. I hate to use those terms in that way, but that's what that's what it is. And so I, I do know people, certainly online, but also personally, who think, okay, you know, so all the uh, conservative Republicans in the South, et cetera, are not going to get vaccinated. They're going to die. And mm-hmm. um, and they're not expressing much sorrow for that. And I, I think, number one, first of all, virus doesn't know or, or respect boundaries or borders at all. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you can't say something's going to happen in a southern state and it's not going to affect us in New York. Uh, mm-hmm. But but secondly, I do believe, and I know you are a person of faith as well, I do believe it, it isn't just karma for us who believe in a higher being, but it's karma too. What you send out and wish on someone else can come back at you. And I... <laughs> yes, and I... I just don't think we should wish anyone harm, and I don't think any of us are safe if a lot of us, a chunk of us, you mm-hmm. know, 40% of us, for Pete's sake, are not safe. I don't know. You you want to add anything to that? Forgive me for going well, on. I, 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 I'm, I'm with you on that. The thing that um, came up recently here about being vaccinated and wearing masks, because I do wear mine indoors, uh, as well, and especially when I'm somewhere, um, say even in my favorite grocery store mm-hmm. or or pharmacy or whatever. But the first responders here in Palm Beach County, and I can only speak for this county, mm-hmm. 
recently, within the last, I believe, week or so, had quite a response to wearing, uh, to getting the, the uh, vaccine. Uh, and uh, they just did not want to do it. They, they said, no, you cannot legislate this. You cannot make me go get a vaccination for something I do not believe in. I don't want to put it in my body. So it was quite a, a, a deal here mm. about and uh, I, I was surprised uh, to hear um, firefighters and police officers make have such a stance on this because I thought that they would have um, maybe they would have wanted to do it because they do come into contact with all sorts of people as we have just seen yes. with the collapse of uh, of the uh, the condo in Surfside. Yes. No, and I mean there are people now from all over the world trying to help, and so I don't I don't know what I'm saying. It's just it, it's it, it was a, a quite a surprise to hear su such a stance being mm. taken. Okay, and and of course the the health professionals, the medical professionals who refuse also. I don't, you know, I'm torn. I, I don't think one should be forced to do something, but mm -hmm. I, I don't understand when you are, as you say, when you are so exposed to the general public as first mm -hmm. responders and, and health professionals are in the midst of a pandemic, which is not, you know, it's not gone. That's what people no. don't get. It's not gone. I don't know why you wouldn't want to protect yourself, but okay. Let's let's move on to, let's move on to showbiz. Uh, although you did mention the, um, and I think I, I, I cut in and, and lost it, but I, you were talking you did mention the collapse of the condo, and I'm wondering um, how does that how did that affect you and other people you know down there? I mean, Miami Beach is not so far away from there, and um, I know that Palm Beach is in, um, is um, is not as close. But how do people feel about trusting anybody now? Construction. I mean, you know, you know, Absolutely. corporate corporate people take shortcuts and cut corners yeah. and. What are your thoughts? Well, that's another one of those conversations that has really blown up a bit, uh, quote unquote, here. Mm. Uh, people are very upset uh, about the possibility of um, not doing the right thing, not putting in the right uh, uh, kinds of material, building on, on maybe on the worst possible land. Is it sand? Is there a a good foundation for these this condo on the beach and and of course this way um, we have quote the, the different areas like area A and B and those are areas that are find those alphabets because of hurricane and it's hurricane season now so uh, that's another thing but there people are very very upset very uh, it's a very painful situation to to look at and uh, my niece and I were talking yesterday and it reminded me so much of Oklahoma and the mirror building yes uh, it just looked exactly, exactly like it. exactly like it and it was pretty frightening mm. uh, the people that I've spoken with and, and the conversations that we've had and uh, I don't think that there are a lot of people now who are going to feel comfortable um, in a high rise anymore and oh my god how is that going to impact everything here yes Every, yeah. you know yes 
so the number keeps going up now it's up to nine and um that's just a number that they know for sure there are no numbers of other people so i'm just i i believe in prayer and i'm just praying daily for everyone to realize the the safety uh, especially the now the first responders because they are dealing with debris and fires and mm. and possibly more collapsing every possible thing you can think of uh, is happening and and on the news there is very little that looks like what it really is you understand i understand i understand yes, yes. So. Well, I tell you what, uh, let's take a commercial and and pick up our spirits. I, I started this, <laughs> but I wanted to know. I always want to know your opinion, and uh, even when it doesn't happen in Florida, but so much is happening. It just seems to me, in between our conversations, and and we talk more often than uh, than we do on the radio, folks. So, but it's just so much going on down there. I lived in Florida for for five years, and I didn't live in a high rise, but they were all around me. <laughs> oh yes. God. Um, okay, let let's take a break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk showbiz updates with our wonderful guest from Broadway and film and television, Avery Summers. Stay with us, guys. We're going to pick it up. It's going to be happier the second segment. Stay with us. And now, Broadway's Avery Summers. Rain. 
Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio program. My guest today is the Reasonable Voice Broadway film and television actor and friend, Avery Summers. We've been talking about a lot of the social, cultural, and political issues that are going on around the nation and around the world, indeed, but always concerned about my good friend in Florida. And But now we're going to shift because... Well, whenever I talk to Avery, she's up to something. So we're going to talk about some of that. <laughs> but I'm curious. First of all, as you know, I told you recently about a possible connection for me with uh, Provincetown, Massachusetts. So I'm I'm curious, since you go so many places and have toured so much, do you have any connections with the very creative community of Provincetown, Massachusetts? I'm told it's a mecca for creative talent. What have you heard, and and yes. who do you know? Yes, yes, I I have heard about Provincetown for many years, and how wonderful it is. And so many of my friends have gone there over the years to do their cabaret shows. And I now have a very dear friend, and uh, his name is Dana Rowe. He's my musical director in New York, and you met Dana mm. when you came to see my show in New York. Yes. In Twitter. And he lives there uh, now. Uh, he bought a place this past uh, spring, and uh, he now lives there. And we usually talk once a week or so. Uh, and uh, he just loves it. He lives on the on the water, and he can see how gorgeous it is. And we were talking about the cabaret scene there. He did speak with several people since there, and. They were saying that it's not as easy to get in to the cabaret scene there as you would think because it's a small community and they want to really keep things and save things for the community. They have a a convention there, cabaret convention, but it's really sort of, quote-unquote, for the locals. Mm. I did mention to him I thought that it would be really fun to, to visit Provincetown, but it's called P-Town. Mm-hmm. It's called P-Town because they just simply cut off the, the word, the whole word of province. So they just make it P-Town, and that's what everybody calls it now, and everybody who's familiar with it will call it that. But I've never been there, but I've certainly always heard about it. But the cabaret convention that they have there is just for the locals. So it doesn't seem that I'm going to have the opportunity to go dashing to Provincetown to do my show. But uh, I'm really thrilled about uh, having Dana there, and he will keep me in touch about what's going on. That's right. Okay, that sounds good. (laughs) My best to him, by the way, whenever you speak to him next. I Uh, will definitely say uh, hello from you. (laughs) Thank you. Now, tell us the latest in your ongoing, beautifully mutual, beneficial relationship with Florida's grand Kravis Center. Oh, the Kravis, yes. Well, I think I may have updated you a bit. Uh, The Kravis is going to be doing our production of The Intersection of Lincoln and Parks. It's about Rosa Parks and R. Todd Lincoln Beckwith, who was the great-grandson of President Lincoln. And we will be doing the show itself in the week of February 25th, 2022. Now, recently, one of the students that is a film student in the Miami Boca area Mm. came to the show, and when he did, he just fell in love with it and decided that he'd like to do a film about it. Oh, wow. So, 
now in talks with him about putting the piece together and making it a film. And in the show, I am the narrator of the of the piece, so to speak. I give a bit of the backstory about Rosa Parks and things like that. But now he would like to expand my role and make me sort of the griot. Mm. And you know, a griot is a storyteller. That's yes. just, that's African word for storyteller. And to expand that a bit and have some students sitting with me on the front porch of a wonderful old wraparound building, uh, home. And I will tell them the story of Rosa Parks as I remember, and it'll be cut between update and now, and cut between back then in the 50s when she was alive and doing things. So it's uh, the idea is very exciting. Excellent. So you're going to do the live show uh, in February 2020. 22 at Kravis Center, which is great. Is this the first yeah. time you're doing it at the Kravis Center? Yes, it is. And this is also a wonderful premiere for me as a director. Absolutely. Wow. Yes. That yes, is so correct. so when I was saying, and I mean I know you have an ongoing relationship with the Kravis Center, but I didn't it just hit me as you were talking you're doing the, the intersection of Lincoln and Parks at the Kravis Center. That is yeah. a major big deal. Fantastic. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much. And uh, they have now put together their big brochure. They have a wonderful brochure that they put together every year. And it shows you all of the shows that are coming, all of the events that are happening. It's really beautifully done, colorful and all of that. And we are going to be in that big brochure to let everybody know that we are going to be at the Rinka Playhouse. So that will be dropped around the end of... I believe the end of July, because they send it out to the donors first, of course. and the public. So if that's uh, that's something very exciting. I'm looking forward to having a brochure with my name in it as director for the intersection of Lincoln and Parks. Fantastic, Avery. This is so fabulous. And now a film version. We are among those who are fluid between stage, theater, and film, and on camera, and TV, and all that. So I love when people can recognize how the blend, and how to make that that bridge connection. So Mm -hmm. this student, he's a film student in Florida, not a bad place to be a film student. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. When I lived there, I was there working with the Film and Television Commission on a number of things, and and Chuck Eldred, anyone listening down yes. there, well, you know of him, then you know what you know what I mean. But he was so protective of students, especially students of film and television, because there have been a number of I don't remember the exact particulars, but when he heard I was coming to, from New York to teach, not that he has bad opinions about New Yorkers, but he came. Uh, not only to watch me teach, but he then interviewed the students and wanted to know what they thought. And they Mm -hmm. said some wonderful things, and he, uh, I'll say it because he's often mentioned it many times, said, you were awesome, so you can stay. That's what he said to me. (laughs) (laughs) And it was a wonderful relationship. I imagine he's retired by now. Do you know? 
I don't know. Yeah. He just might be retired by now. I don't hear about him very often, so it's a possibility that uh, he is retired. But I believe with this film coming up, we will get some information and possibly some help from that organization, and then I will know. Yes, they are wonderful. And if, and if he is retired, I am pretty certain I had heard some time ago that the the woman who worked as his assistant had moved up to that position, and she was incredible too. And I'm afraid I can't remember her name, but she was also phenomenal. And so the commission itself, the Film and Television Commission in Palm Beach County, is amazingly helpful to uh, filmmakers there, students, and to your your project. I'm sure. Well, yes, okay. I'm, I'm forward to it and I think you're right I think they're going to be very helpful and very excited to help us to promote this in, in any way that they can absolutely so tell me when you when this film is made what are you going to do with it how are you going to distribute it well that's something that we are still in the talks about I believe that it will maybe first go to YouTube to establish it you know because now these local well they're certainly not local. YouTube is not local at all, but social media things can really promote a film in a big, big way and then move it forward. So that's what our thoughts are right now, to go to YouTube and make a, have a YouTube channel to get the, get the ball rolling, so to speak. And, and God only knows what will come next. Exactly. Exactly, mm -hmm. because the timing couldn't be better, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. It is such mm -hmm. an amazing story. And I guess we should say a little about it. We, we are assuming that everyone has uh, heard this story before, but tell us a little about, a bit about the play. We know Lincoln and Parks when we say it, but not everyone necessarily knows. You've told us the, the relationship that he has with uh, Abraham Lincoln, but tell, us, tell our audience a bit about Rosa Parks. Well, Rosa Parks uh, was the person who I think most of the country knows, or even the world, mm. would as the woman who would not give up her seat on the bus, and this was in 1955, to move to the back of the bus because someone white needed a seat. And those buses at that time, there were distinct places where people could sit. White people sat in the front of the bus black people sat in the back of the bus and it was up to the discretion of the bus driver to actually move a physical little chain to block off an area where black people could sit and she got on the bus that day there was nowhere else to sit and she sat down and then finally this person comes in and wants to uh, stand the bus driver said no sir you may not stand. This woman has to move. And he wanted to physically move her from the bus. Now, let me just give you a little bit of history. Mm. Rosa Parks had been an advocate for black women about 11 years prior to not giving up her seat on the bus for black women who had been raped. She was the voice and the face of all of those women who had never gotten any justice at all when they had been raped, and there were a number of them. And so she put herself out there with the help of her husband, who was with the NAACP. It was not even called the NAACP. It was the NAACP at the time. And he was, he just 
promoted her and her vision for helping. And so when it came to her getting on that bus that day, she had a history with James Blake, who was the bus driver. And I may be just going on a bit, so stop me if you will. Oh no, please go. But she had been, she had gotten on that bus many times. So you have to get on the bus as a black person, pay your fare, get off and get on the back of the bus. So two things had to happen. James Blake was just evil enough to drive off a couple of times after she got on, paid her fare, got off to get on the back of the bus. He drove off and left her there. So she had a history with him that was not a pleasant one. So that day when she decided to not give up her seat, then he had an issue and he decided that he was going to leave the bus, go to the police and get her thrown in jail. And that's when this person, R. Todd Lincoln Beckwith, decided that it was all right with him to sit beside her on the bus. That was taboo. Black people were not allowed to sit on the same row with a white person at all. But he chose to do that. Again, they had this conversation. And that's what the play is about, this conversation. That's correct. Excellent. I want to, uh, and I know this story because you've told me, and I know you've told me when you've told other Caucasian friends, that they have been as shocked by this as I was. So I want to just make clear to everyone that what you're saying is is that African Americans and by the way, what did you say, 1955? So this is not the Civil War. This is 1955. This is um, African Americans would get on the front of the bus to pay their fare. Then they had to get off of the front of the bus, walk back down the street to the back door to the bus and get on the back door of the bus to be able to sit in the back of the bus. Is that, that's what you're saying? That's correct. It's still just astounding to me, just as I, even as I talk my way through it, and I know you've told me before, I know, but I just, I, I you know. Well, I'll, uh, I'll tell you, we need to learn these things, and I love the fact that the arts are very often uh, leading the way, especially these days, in teaching history. I mean, we used mm-hmm. to make movies and write shows in the movies. You know, when, when William Bendix played uh, um, Babe Ruth, that was about as close to the truth as, <laughs> as you know, it, mm-hmm. it just wasn't. But now, more and more, especially film and television, they're telling the truth and getting awfully close to it and still managing to entertain us, and I love that. Mm-hmm. I, um, and this, I believe the intersection of Lincoln and Parks is a story, and all of it has so many facets to it that we will be shocked, most of us, white, the white people, I guess, will be shocked, and they need to be shocked, so we won't do that anymore. But I remember when I directed your sister, Betty Waldron, great actor, how much she had to teach me about the Harlem Renaissance. I mean, I knew there was a Harlem. I knew where it was, you know. I know uh-huh. about Renaissance, but I had no idea the Harlem Renaissance I'd heard the term, but I didn't know what it was about. But Betty told me, don't worry, I'll, I'll teach you, because she wanted me to direct her in her play that she wrote. And so mm-hmm. we did, and, and that was grand. And I just, um, I'm just looking forward to Lincoln and Parks having uh, teaching history, 
in an entertaining way, but I, I wanted to have a long run, Avery, and the movie, I wish it all the success, but okay, now now I'm running on. <laughs> but uh, any other developments in your theater career in Florida, or is it too soon to share on air? Uh, there are a couple of things that are happening uh, here in South Florida. We have the Carbonell Awards, which are the um, Tony Awards uh, equivalent. Mm -hmm. in, and they have the uh, the Jefferson Awards in Chicago, the L.A. Ovation Awards, and uh, several other awards in major, major cities that have theater, lots of theater. And so I have been, I am now officially a member of the Carbonell Awards Board of Directors. Oh, wow. Yes, and that just happened yesterday. It's official. And so there will be things released about that, I believe, in pretty much all the social media there. I have some things coming from emails and all of that from the board. There were four of us that have been accepted as board members and I am the the female, the only African American female and the only performer on the board. I'm very excited about that. Yes, you should be. I'm and forgive me, I'm only chuckling because not that only performers can judge performances. I'm not suggesting that, but you would think there would be a little more representation from performers, but okay, well, I'll just keep my keep my Washington I, D.C. mouth shut. And uh. well, no, uh, I, I I was appalled because in in my years of knowing about the Carbonells, and it goes back quite a way now when I I did, but not for me at the old Caldwell years ago. Okay. I I was very new to the Carbonells and what that all meant and how the voting was and everything like that and who voted and who said yes and who said no, any of that. And that's the reason I was told that uh, 2020 has been quite an eye-opener for several, several people business-wise. And I think that you and I have spoken about that also. Yes, yes. But just to get an opportunity to say, oh my goodness, this light is shining in this corner and it's pretty dirty in this corner and we need to clean this up. Mm. So there were many things that needed to be addressed. Uh, and so now they're, they, they're going to send out a memo of the things that have been unpleasant, unhappy. Uh, how did this happen? Blah, blah, blah. And why and why not? And uh, so that's how I believe they came to the conclusion that they needed to have me. Yes, yes, I love it. Okay, well, then I'm glad I, I put my two cents worth in now so that you would make that statement because, gee, I mean, that's a great organization I've always felt. I, I was never as directly involved with them, but, well, anyway, I think it's a great step. Let's put it that way. It, yes, it is. It's a wonderful step. So I'm, I'm thrilled and honored, actually, to be a part of uh to be a part of the board. Absolutely. Congratulations. Thank a you. Any other uh, board memberships coming your way, do you know of? You're well, all... you know, I, it just seems to be um, sort of my time right now. Timing uh -huh. is everything. Right? Yes, yes. They, my sisters used to say, timing is everything, and it's true. I am actually not officially at liberty to mention the next one, but I have been submitted for the board of a, a major theater here, major theater here. And uh, so they too are looking to correct some of the things that have 
not been addressed over the years, and I am going to have a meeting with them on Thursday via Zoom and uh, get an opportunity to meet everyone and, and talk about my desires to help and create things in this community. So when that happens, uh, I will certainly let you know ASAP. Okay, I'll hold you to that. Great. <laughs> yes, because I know what you're talking about, and I'm and I'm I'm certainly, uh, you know, I'm all for you, and it's a incredibly wise decision, and I hope they'll follow through. Um, <laughs> you know, you mentioned earlier hurricane season, su- Southern mm-hmm. Florida. I've lived through it. I think two hurricanes when I was there for only five years, and oh, mm-hmm. so how how is that for you personally? And uh, every year is different. Is uh, it's they're getting worse? What what's happening down there? You know, it is very very different every year because we have done what they call dodging a bullet, and you know you've heard that expression yes. in many uh, scenarios. But South Florida is just right out into the ocean and we you know things start to happen over on the the east coast which is the west coast of africa which is where most of the hurricanes form out there and and they 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 wind their way across the atlantic ocean and very often they land here now we have been very blessed in these last couple of years that hurricanes sort of take a turn and they dump a lot of water a lot of wind but they don't impact us right away and so we're just getting started with hurricane season now in the last week or so we've had rain every day starting at around one o'clock and Mm. it's getting dark out now and it's beginning to sprinkle and that will last usually for two or three hours that's our summer rainy season and we love it because it's the reason florida is green and also Lake Okeechobee, which is a huge, huge lake here, which I'm sure you've heard of, always need to have the water table high. And sometimes the water table is very low here. So we love when it rains, but not when we have hurricanes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, storms have certainly gotten bigger, but they have, uh, we've had more than I, uh, I guess, except the most optimistic of us can expect that have missed us. Um, you know, but um, there haven't been an, a lot of Katrinas. Let's put it that way. But still, oh yeah. It, it but still, it's um, it's a whole different thing. I wonder, not speaking necessarily just about hurricanes, but about life in general and health in general and mm-hmm. changing times and recognitions of past uh, sins, if you will. What do you think we, we need to go? But I, I've often wanted to ask you this in particular, what do you think about the term that my grandmama used to always use, timing is divine? What what do you think? Oh man, I, I am so in agreement with that. I And as I mentioned earlier, my mom used to say, and my sisters always said, you know, about timing and everything, and I've watched it in my own life, and I... I think all of us, when we were young and we are ambitious and we want things and we want to do things, we feel that uh, we've got to push and shove our way in and, and, and make things happen and all of that. And over the years, the more I began to re- remember what my mom would say and, and about timing and everything, I began to relax my mind and, and realize that what is mine is mine. I don't care how many other people 
would like to have it. They cannot. And that's divine timing. That's that's all I think about it. It's it's mine. There's anything that anybody can do to get it. It's like now with these different boards and the things that are coming my way, they've been ruminating for a lot of, lot of years. Mm. Just happened. And so I think of it as poetic justice sometimes when these things happen, like with the board of the Carbonells, because I've been nominated for Carbonell six times. And, you know, out of those times, I won once. Not that I felt that I should have won every time how wonderful it was to be nominated, but there is poetic justice when you don't win and you can't see that anybody else should have won except you. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? I understand. Yeah. So timing, yes. Timing is, I think it's it's wonderfully divine. <laughs> and I, I gravitate towards that more than anything else. Well, we have had a time here. <laughs> we, this has been—I mean—it's been loaded with good news. At least the second segment and what you're doing, just very good and happy news. And you know, it's so—it's wonderful. It's just wonderful. I couldn't be happier. Thanks. But I guess we better run. And I appreciate you being on the show as I always do. It's so good to have you back on. I know you're so busy, and you're going to get busier. So I'm glad we managed to squeeze this in. <laughs> but. Um, yeah. I thank you. You take care of yourself. Just just call anytime and and let me know if anything happens. We'll we'll get you on if you want. That's that's good. You know, and everything else that's happening in your life. We wish you all the best. All the best. Thank you, thank you very much. And yeah, same to you and and to everyone out there, uh, all of your listeners and your loyal listeners. I'm sure. Just keep taking good care and be blessed. And uh, and so it is. And so it is indeed. Thank you so much, Avery. We wish you all the best. And uh, thank everyone for joining us today. We have been chatting with Avery Summers, Broadway, film, television actor. And she has had quite a life, and she has not stopped. Thank you so much, Avery. Bye now. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Marcello Rolando of Rolando and Dresner Productions, introducing our new musical dramedy, A Little Place Called Earth, book by Marcello Rolando and music and lyrics by Larry Dresner. And here, from A Little Place Called Earth, is It Will All Work Out, music and lyrics by Larry Dresner. My life was nice and cozy With the sun around me Then I felt a raindrop And the skies were suddenly all cloudy Now here I'm standing In the rain, no umbrella no overcoat, no money Sometimes forced to sing in a cappella Before you lose your temper And your mind gets in a flurry Just tell yourself now, honey Never cry and never, never Starts to bellow. I don't know what to do now. Everything's gone crazy. I don't know where to go now. 
hot and dim and hazy Sometimes you're dealt a bad hand But you keep on playing I know you're not a quitter Listen now to what I'm saying It won't work out It can't rain forever It'll all work out somehow For the better if you just keep hanging on There'll always be another chance To reach that brass ring For more information, listen to our Rolando and Dresner Productions podcast on YouTube at Marcello Rolando, The Reasonable Voice. Thank you. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, The Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Our voting choice. An America built on solid rock or Republican sand. Why are so many of the Americans whose candidates won in 2016 so angry? Why aren't they happy with themselves, their vote, and the result of their electoral college victory? Why, in the land of the free, do fewer than half of America's eligible voters pass on the privilege? Why do we prefer expedient indifference and over-consumerism more than civic duty and good citizenship? Why are we shocked by the darkness enveloping us when we're increasingly riveted to the revile residue of political hacks and packs? Why are some likely voters mesmerized by negative ads, puppeteering on programmed devices, attempting to whitewash America's of, by, and for the people national creed into blinded faith? devouring separatism of supreme being and supreme court. Why are the close-minded so open to closed borders, inheriting the wind of their master's voice, trumpeting red glare to remaster, we hold these truths to be self-evident? To the truth will set you free, patriots. Voting is not only our nationalistic contract to preserve, protect, and defend our U.S. Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, but each election is ice-cold water in our glazed-over memories of why every struggle for a perfect union has been engaged in a great civil war. While rallying to rile up the base of opposing points of view clearly defines the great divide media and pollsters say we the people have chosen to become, we're aiding and abetting the resurfacing of our most detrimental historical battle lines. Hate and fear of changing evolution versus our rainbow of colors revolution the former favoring stagnating American progress with the darkness of tiki torch parades, and the latter stumbling imperfectly forward until November 2016. At our best, voting unites our First Amendment freedoms with freedom of choice and free will to recharge our acumen to ascertain who are the false prophets preaching fear and loathing, and who our better angels. Caravan repudiation is as old as no room in the Kataluma, 
and as revolutionary as Plymouth Pilgrims versus Native Americans over who delivered Thanksgiving dinner. Both parties and candidates insist elections are won by polls and preemptive digital data of demographics, but voting is more individual soliloquy, sanctified by reverence for America's idealistic raison d'etre, with malice toward none, diminishing the number of supremacist boots on the neck of American enlightenment. However, if reason succumbs to blind obedience and reasonable debate yields to the incivility of right-wing theocracy, independent thinking will be in a me-first ecclesiocracy chokehold. What exactly is it we wish to inspire with our vote? Is it factual climate change science or denial of affordable mental and physical health care? Is it gender equality and income parity or raping me to targets all over again? Are we voting to honor American veterans or to spend 200 million tax dollars to threaten families emulating our European ancestors? Will our 22 elections reflect our wannabe shining city upon a hill or the racist abuse of presidential power? Do we elect to vote in resounding support of a Google Times Up walkout or a Groper-in-Chief? Will record-breaking voter turnout recapture the essence of our Statue of Liberty global promise or fuel ever-increasing cultural tensions distracting America from what's most dear to our pursuit of happiness? The safety of school bus children, fourth-grade Girl Scouts, and jailed refugee children. Will we vote for the golden rule or salute and shoot asylum seekers armed only with the children and the clothes on their backs? Jaywalking showed us a lack of civics education limited our ability to vote to defend America from Goliath's weaving tangled webs to deceive us with a fifth grade kiss strategy. Our Civil War proved Benjamin Franklin's challenge, if you can keep it, could yet result in an America of alternative facts. America's short-term solution, vote for Democrats in midterm elections, and make America like children again. Then discover what American exceptionalism really is, because it isn't GOP dishonesty. Walter Cronkite, that's the way it is. Voting is as private as one's sense of self and as personal as our definition of character. The only penance for our 2016 Russian Electoral College tally is to reverse it in the ballot box, Tuesday, 6 November, 2018, following the example of America's first. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Com website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. 
I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard around the world.